to the right. Mariota drops. Steps up. He can run a long way. 
we didn't exactly take it easy. We, there were some times where we were giving away the ball too easy and making someone, well, quarterback, that, considering he had no ankles for the game, still managed to move a little bit and produce and highlights for a couple of other plays. But, yeah, confident victory in the end, but didn't do it the easy way. <laughs> no. When have the Tennessee Titans ever done things the easy way? Um, Brian, um, the start of the game, after a couple of punts, um, we kind of got the ball going. Um, first time this season, actually took the lead. And, yeah, AJ Brown was out of the game. Um, any concern when that happened from your perspective? Uh, not at all. Love rubbish. I knew, I knew we weren't facing any, any danger with... Uh... Sir Carson, his, uh, <laughs> inability to move anywhere, and uh, I, I, I just, I, I felt like we could have beat them with with zero wide receivers. <laughs> to be honest, they didn't offer much. I know it was a lot closer than it needed to be, but I never really felt in any danger. Yeah, and some other guys stepped up. Obviously, um, Batson played. Um, Reynolds didn't play, um, but. Nick Westbrook-Akina um, came in came in with a touchdown. Um, although he did fumble the football, um, if if we're going to nitpick, that's one of the things that... Well, here's, here's a stat that I'll give you. In the Tannehill Titans era, there have been eight games where we have lost the turnover differential, as in opponents obviously causing, causing more than us. Um, and we've only won two of those games, and they were our last two victories. Um, weirdly, so we've found ourselves a new weakness, but we've found a way to to overcome that. Um, Neil, what do you think of our lesser known wide receivers um, and how they stepped up or, or didn't otherwise? Yeah, I, I don't think it's a bad thing to sort of fill that third wide receiver slot by committee. You yeah, know, obviously yeah. The, the main two are, are going to eat up a lot of targets. Uh, I know Julio didn't on Sunday, but I think by as a rule, he probably will. Uh, and when AJ gets gets back firing, he will too. So, like I said, I don't think it's necessarily sort of on Chester Rogers or on Nick Westbrook or Cameron Batson to be a brilliant number three. I think if all three of them can, can pile up small amounts of stats and contribute in them ways, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing to do it by committee. What did you make of the, the fumble? Um, I think it was that was after his touchdown, um, actually, a little bit later. Um, I mean, I, I guess it can happen to anyone, um, but it's it's kind of my reaction is Julio wouldn't have done that or AJ Brown wouldn't have done that, um, which is, is perhaps true. Or am I being overly harsh? I think it's one of the things, where, especially with a player like like Westbrook, who is literally being not starved of opportunities, but every opportunity he does get is going to throw everything into it. And I think obviously when that adrenaline is flowing and you think, right, I've got to make a play with the, the few targets I do get, sort of fundamentals go out of window. Yeah, yeah. Um, his celebration for the touchdown, a bit of Houston Oilers swagger, Greg. Um, I know you've always been a, a massive fan of Code Blue, um, but Oilers Week has to be a significant improvement. Yeah, I'll, t- I'll take Oilers Week over any Code Blue going forward. And yeah, I think if we if it was going to be a Code Blue week, we wouldn't have won that game. But um, yeah, no, Westbrook Aquino, I think, uh, showed a couple of nice flashes. Um, it was interesting that they were uh, managing Julio's workload at the end of that game. I think, I don't know how many receptions he picked up in the end of the day, but um, it was maybe one or maybe two, I can't remember. But um, but yeah, I think they they were managing that 
because they knew what they had in front of them. But we just love making things difficult for ourselves. I mean, just just turning the ball over. I mean, this game could have been a 30-point blowout and no one would have really batted an eyelid. But the fact it was only a nine-point game in the, at the end of it um, kind of feels like it was a different game than, than what it should have been. Um, only one of the interceptions I think you can put on Tannehill. I think the rest, the other two were were kind of unfortunate. One from from a fumble, and then the other from a deflected pass, which yeah was unfortunate. But um, that that one that Tannehill did do was an absolute stinker, and unfortunately, something that you haven't seen from Tannehill and since he's been in the Titans jersey. Which so hopefully that doesn't creep in and start seeing them more often. Because that's something that in the in the last year and a half or two years since he since he took over from Mariota, he he's been pretty good in that regard. He doesn't turn the ball over cheaply. He's just not been doing that. That's I mean, if if I'd seen two or three in the first two or three weeks, I might be a bit worried. But one throw in isolation, it's hard to overreact. Well, well, you can overreact when you when you watch it. It was, it was like a, one of those Madden throws. Like if I'm playing Madden and you see, yeah, there's a receiver, he looks open and you throw the pass, forgetting about the fact that people move in the time the ball's in the air. It, I, thought it gonna say, I thought you were going to say it's one of those Madden throws in terms of you pressed the wrong button. Well, he definitely, <laughs> I don't know who he was throwing it to. I mean, there was, there was no one there. <laughs> yeah, X instead of Y or whatever. You control <laughs> it, yeah. I've, I mean, I've seen, I've seen one or two QBs do that in real life. You know, we've seen Blake Bortles enough times, uh, but yeah, it, it just, it looked, it looked a shocker. Um, but actually, it didn't hurt us as much as the next turnover, which is in the run up to half time, which you're thinking could be 17-7, 21-7 if we scored a touchdown and ran off enough of the clock. Uh, but instead, Harry, we it was just a, a gut wrenching turnover and potentially momentum going the other way towards half time. Yeah, it's I think we said on our chat there that it did feel like with momentum was going in our our direction then and then yeah, I think if we capitalized on it um and scored a score, you know, had a score then, you know, we're ahead, I think it would be by 14 going into the half if they don't don't then, you know, obviously drive down the field and kick the field goal like they did. Um yeah, we could have been in you know, in a real commanding position. I think that second half would have been that cakewalk that we almost expected, really. Um, but it's just one of those things. I think turnovers are, are slightly random um, to a degree, especially fumbles. Um, yeah, there is an element of skill from it, and but it's, and and obviously protecting the ball as well from an offensive point of view. But it's one of those things that's quite easy to correct or at least mentally try and correct. And you can really break down the tape on those things and just say, wow, obviously the Ryan Tannehill throw was a really bad throw. It was a deflection and it was a weird fumble. So overall, if you take away those from the game, we storm the game and I don't think there's any real concern going into next week anyway. I don't think there's any real concern anyway. Um, But so, you know, it could have been a far easier, better walk in the park for, for us, but just means that we have to get Henry involved in the past game a little bit more and show what he can do in that, which I think has been amazing. I think actually it's it's probably easy to say three turnovers to zero against a better team and you're probably going to lose. That's largely true. But I don't think the Colts on defence anyway are that bad and that them forcing three turnovers isn't that hard to believe. So, yeah, I don't, 
there are positives to come from from that and the way we we have overcome turnovers, though if you look, if you look at it like you you got the the one which Tannehill just threw into god knows where the fumble from Westbrook Aquino, I think, was just momentum and the ball coming out and because he was kind of swung mm-hmm. around. And then the other one was tipped up and, I mean, I could have intercepted that one. So, I mean, I don't want to put any of the three turnovers down to massive defensive plays. I'd put them more down to just, you know, unfortunate mistakes or just completely unfortunate in some cases. Um, I mean, Leonard did his best to try and give us the ball back after he... Uh, uh, after he intercepted <laughs> yeah. uh, the first one, so yeah, I, I won't put him down to big defensive plays, and I'm not saying that to discredit the Colts because I mean their defense, I do think, is actually half decent. Oh, no, do do discredit the Colts, you know? We're I discredit here for that. them. In, I, I, I'm, I, yeah, I discredit them. Certainly, the fans. And, I mean, <laughs> one in particular. One in particular. <laughs> um, but there's the one thing I think we need. If we're going to talk about defense, I mean, you've, you've got to talk about the Titans' defense. That's really almost like coming of age all of a sudden. I mean, I think we conceded 10 of the 16 points from those turnovers and then forced them to two other field goals. I mean, that's the tightest defence that we've been crying out for for feels like years. How about a shout-out to uh, to our man, Ola Adonii? Um I think I've got the pronunciation right. Harry, you had a go at it as well. Um, yeah, he, he... What a guy. What a, what a, I love it when someone just... Like we know about Jeffrey Simmons, you know, we know we've you know, Bud Dupree's come in. Although I didn't see, you know, it was it wasn't him on Sunday, but um, yeah, another guy who's come from Pittsburgh who nobody expected to fire. Um, am I getting ahead of myself in saying that he could be a massive superstar? Yes, let's calm down a little bit. I mean, I think I think he had an, an amazing game, but um, he was causing. Yeah, he, he, he got. He's got. He had a lot of snaps, and I think a lot of opportunities that he wouldn't have got. Bud Dupree standing on the sideline. I think he got more opportunities, but yeah, he can't take away from from two two in particular plays. The one in Seattle last week, and then the the sack on on Wentz this week. Yeah, you've got to give him full credit. But superstar, I'm not sure if we're not quite there oh. yet. David Ma- Long- Miles, Miles, pick him up. Greg won't. Some somebody, come on. I mean. I, I I want to be overly confident with him, but I've been let down by many, many players in the past <laughs> when they've had longer game. Um, I mean, it does help. Listen, Nelson got injured in the game. Simmons is going to attract double double targeting on the line because they know how much of a monster he is. And when you have players like Dupree out there when he is eventually, and Laundry causing more pressure to Winston, the pressure the UK has with Petrol at the moment, you're obviously going to get opportunities where you're getting one-on-one up at one-on-one and he took advantage of his opportunity much more than what lots of other players have in the future. So, you know, take it to next week, show that you can do it back-to-back games, and then suddenly I'll be, you know, your name will be on the back of my shirt. That's all you need to do to get a bit of uh, fan love. <laughs> do it more than once for me, and you're there. All right, if I can't call him a superstar, Brian, can I call Christian Fulton a shutdown corner? Absolutely. Fantastic. Yes. Um He's just yeah, he looks he looks the part, doesn't he? He looks statistically, I think he's if if the you're not including that boost in coverage, I think he's he's only allowed twenty two yards all season or something when targeted. Hmm. Uh, obviously it's he's he's being charged with that boosted coverage against Seattle, but I'm not counting that. <laughs> yeah, there was no safety help with with that one, was there? Oh. Um and 
yeah, it, it's people are going to be throwing away from him. This is this is what you want. So I want to just shout out to Breon Barnes as well, actually, for coming in and making two really big stops in the end zone. Yeah, he but he only he was only in for three or four snaps in the game. Yeah, he seems um, to be. He never ever seems to let us down, really. <laughs> I, think he's, uh, I, I probably shouldn't have said that, but. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know, he, I think he got away with a, a bit of bit of a hold or a pi on one of them, maybe. But yeah, that's not going in the book, is it? Are we happy? Are we happy to say this defense is better than last year's? Yeah, that, that's the crux of this, isn't it? We, it? we are definitely happy to say say that. Um, Neil, were you in a, you're in agreement? I mean, uh, probably all areas of the defense as well. I think obviously one of the big positives to draw as well is that like Landry and Dupree haven't, haven't really got going. Mm. You can see there's improvements, uh, and stead, slowly but surely they're getting better and better. But there's two main pass rushing threats, which is obviously a, a huge part of any successful defense. Have not really played well so far, and guys that have sort of stepped up in the place, <coughs> like Sir Adeni and like uh, Bry was saying about borders, guys that have come in for limited snaps. And especially like borders were being targeted. As soon as uh, as soon as their offense sees him upfield, they're going to throw his way every time. And I think it's just nice that we've got unspectacular pieces that other teams will target and not particularly rate. But our coaching staff seems to think that top to bottom, everybody that's on that defense can do the job. One guy I'm not that sure about is Crookshank. Now I know um, he's filling in, um, but that. That's maybe one area of the secondary that I think he got beat a couple of times. But I mean, I'm, I'm nitpicking, really. It's it's such a step up from from last year. What what did you make of? I think we were talking about Hines before we before we came on air. The fact that he seems to constantly do well against us, um, but Taylor as well seemed to be hard to stop. Um, but the Colts weren't using them. Um, I saw something about defensive looks that they weren't expecting confusing them um i wasn't expecting shane bowen to outwit frank reich but um maybe that's what's happened uh, but they seem to want they seem to go away from the run when that was that was how they were being effective i think um, i think last year's last year's defense and, and actually there's the signs that this year's as well like i don't think it's specifically naive eyes i think we just have problems with those like low center gravity players that that can like like cut on the dime and get underneath tackles. I don't think we'd have any trouble like sort of stopping a big bulky running back. But like you saw obviously with Kyler Murray and, and again with Hines in the, the small success they had. Like and like you say, Adam, I don't know why they went away from it. I think I don't know. I think it's just an Achilles zeal when you get these light like, sort of short, low centre of gravity, quick players, like Madden players essentially, as <laughs> I call them. I think I think that's an Achilles heel, and I'm not sure how we we actually stop that. I don't. I mean we. Who have we got coming up? We've got the Jets, the Jags, the Bills, and the Chiefs. I mean, none of them, maybe the Jags a little bit, but none of them are big running teams. Um, so you know, we we could, <laughs> fingers crossed, have a bit more success on on defense in the coming weeks. Um, maybe getting carried away. Who knows? Why not get carried away? Um, we've got <laughs> reasons to be cheerful on that side of the ball. Um. We have one. We have Harry. Let's go to you. We haven't had. We haven't talked about Derek Henry yet, really. Um, he's quietly leading Russia in the NFL. You know, people still don't rate him, apparently. 
battering yeah, Leonard. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say, Leonard. Leonard's just landed, I think. <laughs> um, yeah, no, he's he's just and I he's helped obviously a lot by the line play improving over the last couple of weeks as well. Um, that's definitely you know created a few more holes, but. The thing with him, and I think we say this every single time that we talk about Henry, is that you just think he's going to break one tackle and then just pull away from everyone. And he doesn't He doesn't get caught by DBs. He's too strong for him when he does. Um, and as I said, and I think we've all said at this point, he's becoming more of a weapon in the passing game. And if you can have yeah, him as a... again. Yeah. Yeah, and if you can have him as a little bit more of a reliable out option um i don't think he's particularly in there to pass block too much i've not seen it or i've not really watched it to be honest or watched out for it but i don't think he's in there too much for that but if he's out there getting the catches then he's in space nine times out of ten against a smaller player and you you back him to bulldoze him or stiff arm him or or at least gain the yards there on him so yeah he's he's fantastic um and really just symbolises, I think, everything this Titans team wants to be, which is tough. Um, hard nose, getting the yards, and time of possession as well. We, As soon as we win that time of possession battle, I think that's why teams go away from the run that we were talking about earlier, because they're thinking, oh, well, we've got to score quickly. You know, we might only get two more possessions in this half, or we might only get, you know, an, one more go with the ball. So they're thinking, I don't have time to run it. I, I need to either throw through the yards or get the incompletion and stop the clock. And I think, you know, with Henry constantly grinding out, okay, sometimes he, he dives forward and he gets two yards, three yards, but three or four yards on first down, you're still on schedule. You still, you know, got a whole playbook. And that's what I think we've done really well this this season so far. And it's good to good to see it. And hopefully he, you know, touch wood and stays injury-free because you think with the amount of carries and touches he's getting and game time over the last two years, three years, his body must be hurting, you know. Our body's yeah, he just, hurt. He just doesn't... He hits other people. He doesn't take the, take to take the hits himself. It's just incredible. Um, you mentioned pass blocking. I think he has been... He has improved there. He's, he's improved these other bits and pieces of his game. He's just working hard. And I love it. Um what about other? What about pass blocking in general, Brian? If you have any concerns, I think O line play has massively improved. Um, we'll talk about Taylor Lewan in a minute, um, but um, I'm still not sure that there were too many plays where it's just five guys blocking Ryan Tannehill. Um, we're using Henry. We're using a tight end or two. Um, where do you do you see that? Are you happier than week one? Um, pass blocking. Yeah, it it. it... There's definitely a bit more cohesion there in the line play, but yeah, I mean, it's something I haven't really, I didn't spend a lot of time focusing on in, in the uh, in the Colts game. Um, it's it's one of those things that you don't notice it if it's going well. I'm, I'm and... not I'm not like I'm not I'm not clued up enough to notice these little nuances on line play, you know. Um, I just I can tell you if it's bad, yeah, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's it's a lot more difficult to tell you when certain aspects of it are good, you know, having very limited knowledge of line play. I mean, t- to me, Taylor Lewan being back, we know about week one and what happened and some of our player the tackle position. Um, it's funny how we've not seen Kendall Lamb late later. 
um, Questenbury went down for a play where he got poked in the eye and um, Sobrio came in um, for rather than rather than Lamb, which was telling. Um, but Luan and Saffold on the left-hand side looked pretty secure to me. Um, Greg, Taylor Luan. I mean, it's we'll come to the, the booing stuff shortly. Um, it's, I mean, is his play... Are we happy with this play? I mean, we were we were nervous about him even starting, but he seemed he seemed much more assured. Yeah, I think he needed not to play last week in Seattle. I think him limping out in the warm up wasn't ideal at the time, but looking back at it now, I think giving him that extra week seemed to help. Um, he, he played he played solid. He, he wasn't spectacular. He wasn't, um, but you know, he did the job that he had to do, which is all you really want from a for an offensive lineman, it's just block when you need to block and, and do what you can to give Tannehill as much time as possible to to make the play. So, yeah, he, he was much, much, much improved. But at the same time, um, you know, the reaction after week one, I mean, look, no, no one, you know, when you're on a podcast talking about the Titans, you're, you're going to say things how they are. And him, he said it himself afterwards, you know, he got absolutely annihilated after week one. Um, we'll talk about the booing scenario and everything around that in a second, but he, he has reacted and that's what you wanted to see from him. And I think now it's just how he can continue to react and continue to be a consistent member of this team because he should be a leader. He should be a captain and he's not. Um, there's other people that have kind of moved ahead of him in that regard. Um, and now if, if you want to see anything between now and the end of the season, it's him becoming that leader. And I'm not saying he doesn't have the qualities to do that because he 100% does. But yeah, there's been things that have got in the way previously, which has stopped him from, you know, becoming one of the captains and one of the leaders of this team. Um, but yeah, no, I think he's coming back to what you want to see. And with the Jets and Jacksonville on paper, that looks like two games that, you know, you shouldn't really have too bigger problems with um, as as the as Titans, but also for someone like Luan. And fingers crossed, you know, we can he can come out of those unscathed from an injury perspective as well as come out of them with good performances. What about the booing stuff? Brian, it seemed to anger you on Sunday uh, with messages we were having. I, I ended up yesterday arguing with people on Twitter about it. Um, so I ju- I just as soon as I saw that that interview, if you, have you, if you haven't seen it, I mean, he, he basically comes on. I don't know. Was it filmed straight after the game Sunday? It was unclear when it was actually. It was, it was, just, it was just after the game, yeah. Yeah, so um, and basically I couldn't believe... I came out week one and you know being being booed as a Tennessee Titan. I don't know if it was after half time or when it or when it was. His his name was announced on the the PA and yeah, there were there were boos, presumably for just his week one performance. Um, but it it was the way it clearly hurt him and it was the interview smacked of uh, if that's the thanks I get from seven years of laying my body on the line for this team, I don't want any part of it. That was. About what it felt to me, I and mean, I think you too as well, Brian. Uh, kind of, yeah. I mean, I'm not so much. I didn't read into it. There, didn't see the the bit that you, you and Neil sort of thinking that's him done kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, I mean, show the guy a bit of respect. I mean, he's he's been such an integral part of the turning around of this franchise. I credit guys like him and uh, Mariota and. Uh, Probably Vrabel, to be fair. Um, yeah, yeah. But 
Um, yeah, I mean, you can count his bad games on on one hand. Uh, and and for the most part, he's a top ten. He's a top ten left tackle by any stretch. And yeah, he, he's had a bad game. He's come off with a horrendous injury, which is you know, which is really difficult to come back from, especially in especially in, playing in, that position with the size he is. That, that bolt, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and it's a lot of a lot. Of, I imagine that position being a lot of stress on your knees, actually. Mm. Um, to be booed by these people who are quite frankly idiots in my opinion uh, is, is, is disgraceful and it, yeah it, it upset me because well as you know he's probably my, been my favourite player for the last five six years but I just I just think you've got to show a bit of respect these guys are these, these are people too you know yeah they're, it, 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 yeah, it they're, off. some of the arguments I mean I, I was like instantly triggered and I'm, I'm, I'm going on I'm atting him I'm defending him. I'm telling him this isn't what I think. This isn't what a lot of fans think. And that got quite a big response, which was which was great, mostly positive. Yeah. Um, but there's one there's one or two and you get the arguments, oh, but these guys are paid millions. We've we've we're paying to go and watch the team. We're entitled to expect to be entertained. You know, they've got they've got bigger paychecks than we do. Why should we we can express our opinions however we want. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't disagree with with that. And, but in, under the premise of when they were booing him, week one, after he's just come off an ACL, that's where the issue lies. Yes, you can. I don't. It's not something I do personally. Um, it's, yeah, but you do, you do see it when I go over there on a regular basis. If you get two, three and outs in a row, you're guaranteed you're going to hear some booing because that's just just seems to be a mentality of it. But booing him specifically, and I think it was when his name was was I don't know, I think his name was announced over the tunnel or something. There was like obviously a lot of booing um, after just because of you know one bad performance or because he wasn't he clearly wasn't ready. I mean that's 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 you said this after week one. He he clearly wasn't ready. He was in there. Um, he had barely played anything in pre-season really which I still think was a bit of a mistake I appreciate you don't want players to get injured but I do think sometimes players need that those snaps in pre-season just to kind of get your rhythm back together and he got absolutely harassed but I don't have a problem with with people booing as but not not when you're a team that you know, ultimately we're not the the franchise that we were five six seven years ago when we were an absolute joke and um to, to sit there and be booing this earlier in the season after he's just come off the injury he's had is, yeah. I, I jumped to his defence as well in that regard because, and clearly he, take, he has taken it personally. I think he's a lot more closer to the city of Nashville than most people on this team. Uh, with his podcast, his home, everything that he's he's been doing is for the almost for the people of Nashville to a certain extent. So I think he's taken that more to heart than, than most people would have. And I, I can't really blame him. I'd I'd like to think that he's seen the positive reaction after this, um, and I've I've climbed down from my he's going to leave position. Um, Neil, how about how about you? Um, well, I'm just going to say I'm I'm very aware that we're following a team from the other side of the world, and between us, we've been to like an handful of Titans games, and we're telling local people how yeah. to react, which which in a way is you know. Maybe it's overstepping a boundary, I don't know. But we have we genuinely have got nothing to bore about. I mean, you look at teams in our division, Jacksonville and Houston, especially, 
that's where we were before Taylor Lewong got drafted. You know? Yeah, uh, yeah. And I think, yeah. Uh, and I, and I just think, it, as far as his connection to Nashville, I think his baby's grown up in Nashville as well, which obviously gives him a, a different type of connection than just a, a, a random draftee that that goes in and out for two or three seasons. I think he genuinely does. Well, you just you just have to see him at Preds games, drinking yeah. from a fish or all all of this yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah he, he he lives and breathes Nashville. I just 100%. think if you if you park the the t- Boeing Taylor one individually to one side and just think about everything in a package, we've literally got nothing to bow about. I mean, <laughs> Titans Twitter can be knee jerk and over the top at best of times, but I think since we've had a decent team. Uh, in fact, a very good team. It's got even worse. I think expectations are ramped up. I mean, especially at like Sunday, we're a scruffy victory and not what any of us wanted to see, other than the victory itself, of course. But I don't think there were ever a scenario we were just going to roll over Indy. And I think that's the kind of vibe I got back from reading our timeline, as if people were disappointed with the win because it weren't 25 to 30 points convincing and well, three, yeah, three turnovers will do that, yeah. <laughs> as we said. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just think we, we need to uh, just pull back on how good we think this team can be and watch things develop week by week. But like I say, as far as, far as booing individual players, I just don't see where that's come from or why that would be in any way productive for a team that's, in our eyes, a contender, but nationally as it's their outers. I just don't see how that that helps oh, as, I, I, as a fan yeah. base, as a fan base and a team. We've got all, obviously all be singing from the same hymn sheet. Your, your point there, Neil, on, on expectations is is absolutely bang on. And, and what mostly concerns me about the next two games we've got coming up, everyone I've seen on Twitter recently has almost just been like, "Oh, great, we're practically we're already four and one." Because you know we've got the Jets coming, and then we've got Jacksonville coming. Yeah, they should be two easy wins. And on paper. We're based on what we've seen from those two teams. I don't disagree with that, but this is the NFL. It's not never as easy as that. And I also saw someone, I think I commented on it on Twitter, and he kind of jumped down saying, oh, it wasn't me suggesting this. I'm just putting it out there around, oh, we should be resting Julio Jones and AJ Brown. I mean, AJ, I think, I think it's much of a choice in that regard, but we should be resting these guys for the next two games. Um, or at least one of them, or whatever it may be. And I was thinking, that's how you get beat in this league, is suggesting that you're going to, uh, oh, yeah. we, we just have to rest these players because, you know, the Jets are a joke and Jacksonville are a joke and yeah, we'll still come through and rest them and win those two games, is how you're going to get beat. And also with the Titans, we get beat against these teams all the time because that's just the way the Titans do things. Everyone before Cincinnati last year said the same thing. Oh, yeah, we'll breeze this one. They haven't got an O-line. We'll get to Burrow 15 times and uh, and, and sack him seven times and it's all going to be easy. It, it never, ever is. And that's what always fills me with dread. Yes, on paper, we should be winning both of these games. Absolutely. Um, but there's no game in the NFL that is easy, realistically. In fact, this that's this is probably a good time to hear about the Jets from someone who knows about the Jets, and it kind of those those sort of feelings are key, and you can't you can't ever take a game for granted, and that just fills me with dread. That Bengals game is a case in point, um, and you know, however good a matchup looks, <laughs> you just never know until that that game happens. Um, so yeah, I spoke to. Craig at some length as it turned out about the Jets and how things are going to look in week four. 
if you thought we had a great guest on to talk Seahawks, you haven't seen nothing yet. Craig Edmonds is here to chat about the Jets. How Big are thanks. you? <laughs> Love that. I'm well, mate. How you doing? Yeah, all good. All good, thanks. Um, the Titans face, well, we go to New York in week four to face the New York Jets. It feels like a while since we've played, actually. Uh, but yeah, it's all, all good. A lot of Titans fans seem a bit overly confident about this one based on what we've seen, the Jets <laughs> open three. Um, yeah, fairly well informed. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is this is where you come in. I mean, is, ultimately, is that right? Um, or you know, are the Jets going to improve? You were pretty optimistic in the off-season with the coaching changes and the draft and everything else. Um, I, mean, I suppose where to start is what's gone wrong in weeks one, two and three. It was all good just three weeks ago. <laughs> um, <laughs> Until you saw some football. Yeah. Oh, mate. Um, do you know what it is, yeah? And as a Spurs fan, you'll know this. It's the hope that gets you. It is <laughs> the hope that gets you. Honest to God. You will know, Adam. I I have I was very positive this year. It felt like we'd been through hell and back with Gase in that horrible, horrible two years. Um after being really optimistic after Sam. I think I said on the long snap a few years ago, uh, a few weeks ago, three weeks ago, uh, three years ago, how excited we were. And <clears throat> I think we made a tenuous link to the fact that that was around Gase's time. It wasn't. It was when Sam came in, then we got Gase. And um, I was happy with Sam. Sam felt like a good move at the time. Um, you know, we we were still we were still re- recovering from butt fumble years. Do you know what I'm saying? That's the type of trauma yeah. we're dealing with over here. Um, so Salah came in like a whirlwind breath of fresh air and I said I've told you every single Jets fan it was a it's perfect I don't the thing that, you know what actually you know what pisses me off the most if you're a Jets player to three weeks ago four weeks ago five weeks ago in training camp OTAs there has never been a better time to be a Jets player. Ever. The, the Jets are such a high-pressured market in New York, regardless of the level of football, that if you're not winning, it, it's, it can't be very fun, right? Yeah, yeah. This, this, you have got no more goodwill than this year from Jets fans. Everyone, everyone, the commentary... From mainstream media to the deep dive in Twitter, everyone was willing. Let's just have a go, boys. Let's show some progress. Show that we've got an idea. Don't embarrass ourselves. And we're all good. And <clears throat> to have started as we have is... It begs belief, bro. Quite fr- honest to God, I can't tell you how frustrating it is not losing. Let's just have it right. It is not losing we was prepared to lose we knew we'd lose I told you we'd lose it is the manner of these defeats and you had you had week one where we had that turnaround in the second half and there's a part of you that thinks if we had managed to get over the line that day would this have been different you know you know those there's moments in the season and and the worry is now when you're over free how do you climb back out of it? That's the issue. You put so much pressure in this 0-4, and then if it's 0-5, and, 
especially with, you know, no disrespect, but we have faced three top five defences at this point in the season. You're hoping you get a bit more leeway, a bit more joy over the next two weeks. We come away having get them battered for the next two weeks. We're banging fucking trouble, man. Sorry, I'm not sure I'm allowed to swear on this pod. Long Snap is a very chill, <laughs> a chill place. <laughs> oh, all good. Get the, we'll get the beeper out. And the beeper actually sometimes more fun than the swearing. Yeah, so it, it can yeah. work. It's good. What What do you think's to blame, though? What What has happened? I mean, is is it just? Is it a simple? To, oh, well, nothing's ever that simple, is it? You can't, it's not as simple as to say Zach Wilson isn't what you thought he was. It's far too early. Three weeks. Um, is Salah not getting things going as you hoped, or so is it just a combination? The biggest worry is I could be all of those things. Yeah. <laughs> that so so objectively, you could see we're taking too much pressure, right? And a big you know number one discussion point is that offensive line. Um, we've got Makai Beckton, who, by all intents and for all intents and purposes, should be an elite lineman he does not stay on the field long enough we we just don't ever see it the offensive line was a project of joe douglas we i think we've got three holdovers from the previous uh, sorry 11 holdovers from the previous gm the offensive line were all joe douglas moves and everybody would have seen that hilarious viral picture or short video with the with, with what seems like a sh- small child um breaking down film of the Jets. <laughs> he's <laughs> and he's that back offen- this week. I don't know if you've seen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that that offensive line is just farcical. And it said the boys had 15 sacks. I mean, that's no fun. You don't know how many pressure, how many pressures and how many um, QB hits. So, so, and we went, and the thing is, we've known this is a problem. So one of the big, the number one thing we wanted to see this year was, you know, keep our quarterback off the fucking floor. So you look at the offensive line and you've got big questions there. And that is, you know, you can almost lay that solely at Joe Douglas's door. Bro, what has happened here? Then you have to think, why can our receivers not achieve any separation? There's nowhere to throw the ball a lot of the time. So, sometimes I, there's, there's so many things going on at once. It's, it's, as you say, it's difficult to know what, where to pin the blame. You've got a, a young rookie quarterback who's struggling. Um, what makes that infinitely worse is having a, a non-functioning O-line. Um, what may, if you've got receivers that are struggling, how does that get worse? Is having a quarterback without time to even go to a second read probably on most most plays that you're seeing um and these these things just spread they're contagious you know bad football is contagious it could be all of that stuff right you've got all of these fundamental questions to answer in terms of x's and o's and that's not it that is not (laughs) that is not where the story ends it isn't (laughs) we've we've got this just a horrible offensive line. Zach Wilson seems to be underperforming. We're not helping him in terms of the scheme. Like where, like, why are you not? There should be loads of crossing patterns, loads of meshes, loads of outs, loads of slants. Just let him dink, dink, <coughs> dink and dunk. Take what you can. Move the sticks. Try and 
get some experience in moving an offense. We're not seeing any of that, which is another massive question. So you've got all of these deficiencies on offense, basically in every area. There are no offensive line, limited running the ball. QB doesn't seem to be able to get the ball out of his hands or make good reads. Receivers are not getting separation. So basically, no offense. <laughs> then you consider this coaching team. And I said one of the real positives after week one, was the improvement you saw in the second half. Why have we got worse? Why have we not improved over three weeks? There is... I mean, like I said, you've got patience. And Salah earned a lot of credit over the summer, um, over the off-season. But we can't we can't accept this we cannot accept this type of performance it is we need to see something and um you know salah has to make good decisions here this is where he's got to earn his money we're not expecting wins literally i could go 0 and 17 i'm we're not expecting wins but we can't have the shit show we've been seeing denver are you like don't get me wrong denver are a good team they're a good football well, team. well you you said that you face three pretty good defences, the Panthers, the Patriots, the Broncos. Um, actually, facing the Titans arguably gives you a bit of a breather, although I think some parts of our defence are performing better than, certainly better than last year. That's not a high bar. I accept that. <laughs> uh, but there have, been, there have been some names that have stepped up. Um, you know, we've got Christian Fulton, cornerback in particular, second year, really, really stepped up. And we've got a bit of a pass rush. Um, but it's not the Broncos, the Pats, or the Panthers. So you might find it gets it. It's like maybe but not huge changes, if, if but it can get the, things a bit more right. If you're the Titans after the last performance, yeah, where your your tails are up, you saw some real strong performances. Both lines, offensive line, brilliant. Defensive line, really good. At now, times. After week one, yeah, yeah. We're, we're we're pretty happy about how things have. I mean, it was it was by no means a perfect. Well, I mean, neither win were anything close to perfect. But yeah, there's there's improvement. I mean, I look at yeah, I look at the Jets' offense, and yeah, as you say, it doesn't scare me. Um, I'm more interested, actually, the other side of the ball, um, and how how the Jets' defense might might cause <laughs> Tennessee a few problems because it's actually the the offense that we were bullish about. Um, for the Titans that maybe hasn't quite hit straps for f- various reasons. Um, I don't know. I think Derek Henry Derek Henry could hitting. to fix it up <laughs> the other day. Yeah, Derek, Derek Henry not hitting his straps is, is still <laughs> it's still pretty good. Like, I don't think he's he's the issue here, but they, things haven't been quite firing. There are maybe opportunities there, and I, d- I don't think the Jets' defense is that bad by any means. We're not. No, no, we're not. We're not. We're not. We're not at all. In fact, if there's anything, you know, to hold... When you know 26 and 0, 26 26 0, when your offense had I think 120 passing yards and 98 penalty yards, <laughs> the defense <laughs> did their f-ing job. You know what I'm saying? So, no one's criticizing the defense. Injuries have killed us. That defense would have been so so good. Um, really, real shame we never got to see Lawson on the field. Um, but you know, defensive line, there's some individuals on there who can disrupt a game the problem is uh, the defense can bend but it, it will break and 
if your offense is not doing it, we're not scoring any points, Adam. <laughs> uh, there's a fundamental part of football where you've got to put the ball in the end zone, and we just don't, we can't do it. So there is that offensive line. <clears throat> you're gonna, you know, you're gonna have a, a bit of trouble for the first quarter, quarter and a half. If in that first quarter and a half, Derek Henry breaks one, we're banging trouble. If in that first quarter and a half, we somehow manage to keep you to, you know, I don't know, 50 yards, maybe a field goal, maybe a touchdown going into the half. If we're not scoring any points, what is that? I mean, your defensive linemen are going to be thinking now, right now, this weekend, I'm adding to my stat sheet this weekend. I'm adding to it. I'm getting, I'm getting a sack. I'm getting a hurry. I'm getting a strip. Like, it is game time right now. And our offensive line are themselves you just you just can't not be uh, i mean you know they're going to be anxious they're going to realize the amount of pressure that is on us this week we have to do something these two weekends i think it's perfect for the titans and terrible for the jets i think no pressure almost on the titans don't get me wrong you you stink it up you you it's not it's not good i mean we've, but, we've always got a game where we stink it up in us right? yeah yeah <laughs> but, okay we've not got Mettenberger anymore, um, but you <laughs> still always feel there's that potential. Um, maybe it's just ingrained. Yeah, you know, go back to what you said at the start, like being a Spurs fan. It's just ingrained in you um, <laughs> these expectations. And I've I've watched enough football to know that, however strong a favourites a team are, or however good a matchup looks, things don't always play like you expect. Absolutely, and you can. Jess hope- is going to be angry though. Aren't they? Is, is that... We ain't Adam. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Look <laughs> at what we've seen. That is that's the listen. Like I said, I said on uh, Long Snap, we just wanted progress. All we wanted to see was progress. Is there an idea? And I'm not, you know, I'm not pulling the rug out from under him. I do think he needs time. I think, you know, in sports in general, we are too quick, particularly on managers. Like people need time to do their work. I'm with that. I am with, not with, with Wilson. You're not. You can't give up on a guy. Absolutely not. And and anyway, there's been a lot of chat about you know. Oh, did they make a bad decision in moving Sam on? But listen, mate. I'm telling you now, Sam Darnold behind that offensive line in those three weeks is the same Sam Darnold we saw last year. Sam Darnold with a defense like the Panthers have got and Christian McCaffrey is a different f***ing option, isn't it? Like, uh, listen, put me behind the Jets, put me behind Carolina. You're going to see two different performances. It's, it's just so obvious. Now, now I, don't, I don't hate the question. I'm just saying, don't be stupid. Obviously, Sam's in a much better situation. He's got three years experience. This is a rookie in what is clearly a much worse team than we expected. And I guess that's part of the issue as well. Our expectations have not as low. Can you, this is basically, it's like being uh, uh, somebody who's interested in British politics as low as your expectation <laughs> is, they still somehow did not meet it. So I, I, I don't, I don't, I've got no, I'm not confident. I've got time. I'm still willing. I'm still open-minded. Salah has credit in the bank with me. He did, he's, he's, he's held himself well. He's made some tough decisions. We are waiting to see the outcome. I mean, Denzel Mims. Denzel Mims can't get on the field. Can't get on the field. Can't get on the field in special teams. Second round pick. <clears throat> One of the things we saw last year, explosive guy, can get separation. You look at our offense, we can't, we, we can't get separation. We literally can't get separation. Can't beat. We can't win at the line of scrimmage. 
Why is he not involved? Now, the only question, the only answer for that, until somebody tells me different, is that somebody's taken the decision. There is something. There's another reason as to why he is not involved. Um, so there's stuff happening at the Jets, and when you have when you are a new coach, young coach, in a place like New York, it, it is not beyond the realms of possibility that there are challenges that Robert Saller and the coaching staff are facing that the rest of us don't know about. But we have to see progress. We have to see some form of idea. Um, you've said, you know, the, the defence is not bad, but we're still leaking points and it's got to change. It has to change. It's got to be different. It's, yeah, the point about it doesn't matter how good your defence is if they're suddenly back on the field after another three and out or another turnover very quickly and the offense isn't scoring points. I totally get that. Um, I've, I've seen that plenty of times over the years. Um, yeah, it, it's tough when you, you're in a hole like that. Um, you know, I, I I like you. I like I like the Jets as a team. Um, I have no idea why, but I just do. And Thanks. I appreciate I, I, wanna... <laughs> I feel like you're giving me credit for the Jets and I'll take it. <laughs> Despite, yeah, it, 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 ignoring all of that, no, I do. And from week five onwards, I'd love to see them you know, improve and I, I, I'm with you about Salah. Obviously, we've seen with we've seen everything we need to see with Adam Gase um, to know that that was a massive part of the problem. Look at Ryan Tannehill now versus Ryan Tannehill under Adam Gase. And um, there are other examples of this, obviously. And yeah, that that's got to improve things, but clearly not immediately. And um, yeah, I'm I'm with you whether it's hope or expectation or a bit of both, but hopefully we see that after week five, not in week four, obviously. Mm. I'd normally ask at this point for some kind of prediction for the game. Um, that might seem a, a bit of a pointless exercise uh, based on your, your levels of confidence. Um, but the other question that we always ask is, is there, give us a name of a player that Titans fans might not know um, that we should look out for. We obviously know about Corey Davis, for example. We haven't mentioned yet. Um, he might be wanna, wanting to have words about that. I don't know. So uh, I've got a bone to pick with you. I've got a bone <laughs> to pick with you about Titans receivers who have basically f***ed up my life. Corey, <laughs> Corey... <laughs> don't that. First and foremost, what the heck has happened to AJ Brown? Jesus Christ. Um, we we'll, won't we'll talk about it, but Adam drafted for me in one of well, my most important league, and you'll be happy to know, Adam. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm in free. So cheers, mate. No, I'm, I'm joking. not happy <laughs> to know that. Uh... No, you're not. And largely due to Asia Brown, we won't go to fantasy points, uh, fantasy scores. <clears throat> I've obviously had them, uh, you know, 70 points scored against me more than anyone else in the league, but we won't go into it. Um, <laughs> AJ Brown has been hugely disappointed for me. He's had too many hit him in the hands. Um, it, I, yeah, I know he, he got he injured. Has, and now, yeah, now he's got a knock at the worst possible yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. It, might, it might be a stop-start season for him. Given we'll how see. well I thought he was, I mean, you know, I thought literally after last year, this guy's elite. This guy's the guy. Um, so that's disappointing. But Corey, Corey, Corey Davis, bro, I never thought he was that good anyway, right? As a, as a Titan, I never thought it was that good. I thought it was a steady Eddie. Yeah, at times he was talked about like he had high ceiling talent. I thought the guy's bang average. Steady Eddie. I get it. The Jets are not good. <laughs> but if you watch 
pick up a highlights, any highlights package on the Jets. Watch Corey Davis run routes. It looks far too easy to cover. When he has got open, he's dropped the ball. Bro, I am done with him. He had a big, big, big first game, couple touchdowns or whatever. Last two games, and too often as a Titan, does not is not a is not a, is not a wide receiver one. He isn't. He, well, it, it's that we saw improvement from him when we drafted AJ Brown, and AJ Brown's getting all the attention, and suddenly Davis is finding himself a bit more open. And um, but consistency was always the issue with him. Where he'd have the longer time went on, he'd have more good games than bad, and the trend seemed to be in that direction. But there was always that propensity to just have an off day, and that's that's obviously happening still. Yeah, yeah. I, I still think he's a huge talent with a massive ceiling. But you see, yeah, we've had those kind of frustrations here and there. Um, but... Listen, you've got a number one receiver, maybe a good tight end. Corey Davis would be a useful piece, but. If you need to be the guy to catch the ball every time, I, I I need you to catch the ball. I need you to catch the ball. I've got no one else to throw to. You've come here, you know, with the fanfare, despite what we've got, because actually the receiver core room and before season started was one of the jet strengths. And 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 you're not able to set set an example. Um so I'm not impressed with either of those receivers. <laughs> Um, I, do, I think you're going to beat us by at least two scores. Um, you know, maybe a ten point swing. I'd like us to have. I'd like us to start the game better. I'd like. I'd like a game. I'd like a competitive. I said to the beginning, I just like a competitive game where it looks like they give a shit and and they're doing some nice things. They're doing some right things. And if your players do some good things too, then so be it. I think. Yeah. In terms of a player to keep an eye on, honestly. From what we've seen for three weeks, there is a legit again. You got asked Joe Douglas. There's a lit question, legit question about talent. I mean, I'm sure most people know about Mackay Beckton, who for me is an elite player, but is not on the field enough. Um, we talked about Lawson, who unfortunately, you know, big trade, didn't see a snap. Really, I think you know our best player is Quinn and Williams, um, defensive okay, lineman. Yeah. Come, you know. He 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 would play in any team. The guy is really really good. The the issue with Q is keeping him interested. I do think you have to scheme for him. You have to, and because we've got such limited, um, limited talent on the edge now, he is asked to do more. Um, you know, I was so looking forward to him being paired with Lawson and seeing what they could do. The offensive line was really meant to be good. And that's just, that's really killed us. So if there is, you know, want to keep an eye and look at who's actually playing good football more often than not, Q is, um, obviously, um, I don't, I don't hate our linebacking core. Our defense is all right. You know, Mosey's a top player. Um, but yeah, let's just hope for a good game. That's all, that's all we want. All we want. Please, God, <laughs> compete. Compete. Don't go out there looking like chumps. Stop throwing 
terrible yeah. interceptions. Stop letting Zach Wilson get punched in the mouth multiple times again. Have some pride about yourself. What on? These are not. It's not the first time you play football. Okay, it's the NFL. Yeah, we get it. Young squad. Yeah, we get it. You play football since you were five years old. Like, have some respect and and compete. Please to bloody God, compete. We'd like to see some smiles on some of their faces again. That's what it's all about. Yeah, I, I nobody nobody wants even if if you're on the right end of a, a no contest, nobody wants that. You want to see good football. Um, hopefully, we can see some of that. Um, thanks for coming on for a debut, long awaited. Um, if you if you want to hear more of Craig and even of me chat NFL and but never have a chance to chat this much Jets or Titans, then that's the log staffer podcast. <laughs> it's a rare treat to, to be able to talk about our teams for a bit longer. Yeah, big facts, big facts. <laughs> um, yeah, good to chat to you. Enjoy. Hopefully there's something to enjoy about Sunday. Um, and yeah, wishing you the best from week five onwards, as I say. Back at you, mate. Nice one. Yeah, there's not a huge amount of confidence, um, which... <laughs> makes me feel okay about things uh, but yeah as as we said you can't you can't ever ever relax about game of football not as a titans fan and um, miles just on something we were talking about earlier and the prospect of maybe resting players um julio or aj brown julio was taken out the game i don't know if it was his choice or well, i assume it wasn't um but he was on the sidelines for a large chunk of the second half any idea from your perspective as what was actually going on? No, I, to me, it's almost like what we were saying about it. It's good to let everyone. It's like early on in a game of football, you pass the ball around so everyone gets a touch, so everyone's got used to the ball. And I felt like with the receivers, that's almost what they're doing with like who's going to be off third and fourth wide receiver. And it's sort of let's let everyone have a go. I mean, with Julio Jones, you look and think, yeah, he's an obvious target, even if you're not going to pass the ball to him you leave him out there because he's going to attract uh, their best EB. Um, so, I, I, to me, it's, I, it, I don't know if it comes down to Hula or if it comes down to the coach who's decided it. I haven't, I haven't looked in to see if Hula... I doubt Hula's asking to be off the field in those situations. But to me, when you've got a player like Derek Henry, I think most people think when we're near the end zone, it's going to be in his hands. But I... <laughs> I mean, it, it worked at the end of the day and we didn't need it. I think in, in, in games further down the line with teams like the Chiefs and stuff, I'd be shocked if you're not seeing Julio out there. But again, it's, I mean, a lot of crazy decisions seem to happen throughout the season, so there might be more to it and they might be for some reason. I mean, he's not been famous over the years for touchdowns. He's always been famous for yards he gets in the long game. He'll get these big catches and stuff and he'll get thousands of yards a season, but touchdowns and everything. For all in that, it's a the tactical thing and he's not great in the end zone I find it silly and probably not the reason mm. but there, there could be more to it than we know I mean we've got three tight ends who are seeing quite a lot of the uh, game maybe they felt like they offered a bit more to it okay the other thing that came that was slightly strange at the end of the game are reports of Mike Brable throwing his toys out the pram treating the press a bit like a loss rather than a win yeah I just think um he is a head coach, and as a head coach, you need to be fairly even keeled, um, at least in front of the press. So, like, um, I was listening to a podcast that was talking about Nick Saban. Nick Saban to the press um, will always give like very vanilla, 
just fairly boring answers of just like, yeah, you know, we need to do better on the turnovers. Yeah, you know, we need to do better on this. Yeah, the Russian game was good. Whatever you want to say. And then apparently he like swears like a trooper in front of his players, like lights the fire under them. Like however he needs to do it, he'll do it. And I think it's knowing the the moments to to go ape and to have that moment of like, I am going to go mental at my players. And probably at the press isn't the best reason. It's, and best it's just brable, isn't it? It's like, he doesn't change. I think what you see is just how he is. And he doesn't... But in, in, in all fairness to him, he is getting better at his decision-making and his head, head coaching is, in my opinion, becoming better, you know? Going for that fourth down really early in the game and having yeah. a bit of ball yeah. to set the tone for the rest of it. Going for that two-point turned out to be so worth it because then it put the Colts on the back foot for the end of the drive. So in terms of his decision-making, he's becoming better. I just think he's getting annoyed at some stupid questions probably uh, I don't think his mentality is ever going to be like a very good press forward coach but for me I prefer to see it kept fairly vanilla in front of the you know the cameras and then just go light up your guys if you want to light up your guys when you go back into the locker room but sure it's it's like you say it's who he is as a coach and it's pluses and minuses and it's something that if you are a Titans fan you've kind of got to deal with and he probably encapsulates a lot of what Titans football is about. Sometimes a little bit messy, sometimes a little bit hectic, but at the end of the day, going to hit you in the mouth and hope for the best. I quite enjoyed um, watching and listening to after we've, obviously they do this after we've had wins for obvious reasons, but kind of end the game dressed down in, in the, in the dressing room when, when he kind of just, just gives out game balls and, and, and that's someone that when I listen to that, even I get motivated. Like even I'm sitting there thinking, I want to play for this guy. Like, cause I, I'm pretty sure there's things that go on behind closed doors that where he's a lot more harsh and a lot more blunt and comes out and says things, how they sometimes just have to be said, but there is a togetherness there and you know, calls out individuals. And he called out with someone we've not spoken about in Denitra Autry, who, um, who had a solid game on Sunday. Um, and the, they're the sort of things that you, you do when you watch those videos, you kind of think, yeah, that's the sort of head coach you'd want to be working with and wanting to be developing under because he is someone who I've questioned in terms of some of his decision-making. I do think he can sometimes make those wrong decisions, but I think you can't really argue with what he's done with this team since he's come in. Um, we've never been you know, a team that's going to go and lose two or three games a year, but realistically, you know, he's put us in a position since he joined in, in 2018, where we've only ever had winning seasons. We've reached an AFC Championship game. And like you said, Harry's decision-making is improving, which is something that we've criticised him for massively in previous podcasts. I think, I think, there's, two si- I think there's two sides to the coin as well. Like, I'm the kind of guy that I-, I didn't like him slamming the door and all that performative stuff. But also, I don't like it when he just says, we need to coach better, we need to play better. I find both. I find both of them frustrating. So I think you just take the rough with the smooth and 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 kind of try and love him for what he is. Essentially, I don't, I, I don't even listen to his to his pres, to his press conferences anymore because you know they're the answers you're going to get. In the same way as you from like you said with Saban and similar with Bill with Bill Belichick, he's just they just don't give anything away. He's going down that same route. He just does it in his own way, which is probably gives a little bit, but never for the full hundred yards. So. He's someone who I don't have an issue doing that because he's someone who, as long as he's 
saying what needs to be said in the dressing room and it's getting through to the players that things when things need to change or things haven't gone so well there's no doubt that there would have been a dressing down from the turnovers from Sunday there's no doubt that you know there would have been dressing down for someone like Crookshank for what was horrendous miss miss tackle uh, in the open field and and you know they would be looking at that tape and making sure those things are addressed um I'm I, yeah look he's he's a little bit we're not, we haven't got the easiest media, I don't think, in, in Nashville. There's certain individuals I do think that probably wind him up. Um, Are there? Yeah, I can't name them for, for legal purposes. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, there's there's definitely... And I think he he's someone who could do without them, but it's part of the job. Yeah, I, there's there's probably a, a bleep, bleep, whatever his name is in each... To each uh... Uh, yeah. City, um, you know, nah, each nah. market. I'm sure they all have one. Nope. <laughs> um, yeah, there's something special about ours anyway that definitely rubs Mike Brave a lot the wrong way. Um, all right, that's probably enough Titans chat for one week. I'm sure we haven't had the last Brave conversation of the year. There'll be there'll be plenty more when he uh, when he punts on fourth and one in two weeks' time or something. We'll we'll see. Uh, Non-Titans related to finish. And in fact, before I forget, um, Twitter, where where should get where are you um, when I'm asking for questions this afternoon? Nowhere. All I've got here is Ellis and do eggs belong in the fridge? Brian? No. No. Anyone say yes to this? Yes. Who said yes? Eggs belong in the fridge. Brian said yes. OK. I'm not having it. <laughs> El- El- I think El- I'll show you my refrigerator if you want. I mean, <laughs> for an audio, for an audio, uh, no eggs in there, just think... chicken palmos. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's a couple of bottles of Corona in there, half a dozen eggs. That's literally it. <laughs> I don't you're, know waste, you're wasting, you're wasting that space by using it for eggs. You know, just leave them outside you know and put more Coronas yeah. in. Do you know why they go in the fridge? I mean, just supermarkets don't. specifically for them. Yeah, that's that's true. No, they're for cream eggs in the Easter. There's a compartment in a car just for gloves, but I've never stored gloves in it. <laughs> uh, Alan Partridge does. His driving gloves definitely go in there. <laughs> um, anyway, non-Titans related. Um, Neil? Uh, so I'm going to... It's just a quick one, man. I'm going to talk about parking wars. I mean, I think we've all... Anybody who's got kids... <laughs> has been involved in, in this situation. But if you can picture it, my son's school, it's like down at the bottom of a really steep hill. And the reason parking wars happen, there's absolutely loads of parking spaces, but nobody wants to park at the top of the hill, so they have to walk back up. <laughs> so everybody's kind of like sort of bottlenecking all down at bottom, trying to get like a seven-seater VW caddy into a space for a Fiat 500, just so they don't have to walk back up the hill. I mean, I always set. To be fair, I'm I'm throwing people under the bus, and I always set off like 40 minutes early, so I don't have to manoeuvre and do daft parking manoeuvres and park up top. (laughs) But what I'm saying is, like, people are willing to literally damage the car and damage somebody else's car. They're willing to shout, scream, and argue with people in other cars for the sake of walking 20 yards back up a steep hill. And I think that's (laughs) like this. There's probably some kind of metaphor in there for modern life, or. Yeah. Our world is today, but I'm not intelligent enough to articulate it. But I mean, I just I don't. It's one of them things that I can't understand 
why there's such passion and fume about it. It's literally spending five or ten extra minutes to save yourself one. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. Uh, I, I, I mean, see exactly the same thing at the car park where my son's where FC, where he has his football and everybody is desperate to park as close to the close to the pitch or the, the stand as, as you possibly can. Um, it's so much easier. You just go, go to the other end and get a space. It only takes 90 seconds to walk. There's, there's literally at top of the hill. I mean, it is quite steep. Don't get me wrong, and it's it's a good five ten minute walk. There's literally space galore. No chance of damaging your car. Park nice and easy. Get out. Nice stroll down. As long as it's not raining. But no, no, it's literally like Royal Rumble down at bottom of the hill. It's just lazy it's mentality, though. It's a lazy mentality. Yeah. Where where um when I go and watch football in, in Stevenage, they've now had to put what is like a fence up between the middle of the A602, which is a dual carriageway, because people who park over the other side of the road can't bother to walk what is a, a, like literally a two-minute detour. They'd rather walk across a dual carriageway, which is one of the busiest dual carriageways in the entire town, um, and risk their lives walking across it just, just to save themselves that 90 seconds or two minutes that it would take to walk around and go underneath the underpass. I, lo- I love lazy. that, by the way. One of the busiest yeah. dual carriageways in Stevenage. It's, it's quite a list, let me tell you. Yeah, I think it's just really to stop is. them from seeing Stevenage. They're just really <laughs> hopeful, so they don't have to go the game. Yeah, but the thing is, just I, I don't. And to be honest, with you, I can't disagree with them in that regard. But like, c- kill yourself before the game, not afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> um, Greg, other other than the the A six hundred two, have you got any rants this evening? Um, yeah plenty lined up for the next few weeks my first one is uh, I wasn't on the podcast last week so I was on holiday for the first time in what was approaching two years um were you I didn't realize no uh, I was I was I mean if you follow me if you follow me on social media you wouldn't have known at all um yeah and what annoyed me the most of of my holiday is we booked an all-inclusive holiday uh that wasn't all-inclusive because you can only have certain things from from a menu and if you want anything else you have to pay for the privilege um they let you have like local drinks etc so i want to try and change this mentality of all inclusive to some included or or even most included because i mean in fairness there was a quite a comprehensive menu but really annoyed me that it's like yeah it's all inclusive but you can't have that uh or that if you want that you gotta pay six euros or 10 euros or whatever it was why 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 call it all inclusive if it's not all inclusive i i'm convinced that that kind of holiday if you if you just pay for room only basis not that whatever different resorts different resorts but if you pay room only or bed and breakfast and just buy stuff as you want to eat and drink it i'm convinced you can have a cheaper holiday but the thing about all inclusive is the mentality and, and it's it's so you'll have that extra beer or you'll have that extra snack because you can. And if, but if you've got to pay for it, you act, you subconsciously or otherwise, you end up not enjoying yourself as in as full a way. Um, just for that reason. Oh, you go, you go full out. I mean, you have cocktails at like half 10 in the morning. I yeah. Mean, who, who does that? I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that if I was paying for them, but it's, well, exactly. um, it, it, yeah, it's strange. Also one thing I, I had recently, we don't do all inclusive holidays very often because most of the time we go into Nashville, but it's, when we, whenever we've done them, they just seem to also just free pour everything. And it's like, for the amount you're wasting, making like the strongest drink in the world that's like literally killing the back of my throat, you could have made a nicer drink and also made it with non-local and you still would have probably ended up being yeah, in the same position. 
30 shots of Cypriot whiskey will cost them as much as one shot of Jack Daniels. So True, but it's, it's, it's really strange. Like, I'm going to order like... So I'll sit there and be like, yeah, can I get a whiskey and a Diet Coke? And also a Diet Coke on the side so I can water this down when, you, when I've realised you've put about 90% whiskey in. Um, yeah, it's, it's strange, but it seems to be a mentality thing. Well, there you go. It's a first world problem, isn't it? But, yeah, always. Yeah, I'm with you. That's always. what this is for, though. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, Harry? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure I've done this one uh, probably about this time last year, but it's the obsession with the Great British Bake Off. Um, <laughs> not only, like, just in general, because I just find it really weird how we all sit down for, like, an hour and a half as a nation and just watch some strangers bake cakes and a couple of, like, celebrities and bakers who, let's be honest, you've never heard of before Bake Off, then judge them. And you couldn't, like, you can't taste them, you can't smell them. Like, you don't even really watch their whole process. So what are you doing with this whole situation? And I know, I know, like, look, you could break down every single, like, program down to this. I completely get that. Like, MasterChef, wow, same crack. But it's something weird about cakes that just, like, and I'm addicted. Like, I don't even bake. And I don't really like sweets. But for some reason, I'm there, like, oh, I'm going into work on a Wednesday and talking about this Italian architect who took a ruler in to measure his cakes. And I just think this is the best thing that's ever happened. I don't quite understand what's happening to me and I'm not exactly happy with it or the nation, but yeah, bake off, man. I just don't get it. Or if you're in America, it's the great British cook baking show or something like that, which is on your like Netflix and you guys get it at the same time as we do, which still blows my mind, but still anyway. Yeah. I I've got a friend who, uh, who calls this particular program? You're gonna to have to bleep this. Adam is crying over quake, uh, over cakes. And that's, <laughs> that's literally that's that's basically the hashtag that he uses all the way throughout the entire series, which which still makes me laugh every time I see it, even though I don't watch it. Yeah, and it's just like the variety of people on there, and there's like this year as well. There are some people who I'm pretty sure have only ever cooked like one of them packet mix cakes. And nothing else. <laughs> that would be me. That, that, that's 100% me. If yeah, I were that, that's that would be me. It'd be like, okay, cool. So I mix this and then put back in the oven. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. That's it. That's my I, man. I, yeah, I agree. Absolutely baffling. Um, <laughs> Miles. I don't want to set up the title for the podcast, but Harry hates a soggy bottom. Um, what I was trying to, <laughs> I was trying to think of I'm things. I'm not calling really... this episode that. <laughs> <laughs> um, my, my, mine's one that I'm sure at some point me and Neil will end up having an argument about another aspect of but uh, mine's the EA Sports algorithm that they've added to their games which I want to complain about um, every year on I buy FIFA I say I won't buy it, I'm addicted to it I buy it um, me and my friends play a game mode where you control one player so you can make whatever player you want, some people have a bit of fun with it some people just name themselves after themselves. Last year, me and my friends had a theme where it'd all be a particular wrestler. And I took the uh, champion that is Kurt Angle. Um, Kurt Angle, perfectly normal name. Nothing offensive there whatsoever. This year, I go and select the name as Kurt Angle. And for some reason, it's rude and offensive to people and I'm not allowed to use it. Now, I've played games where people's characters are called <laughs> and much worse. And yet I can't call my virtual pro Kurt Angle because he's very easy to design because he's bold and that's it. So 
somewhere along the lines, the algorithm of EA Sports have gone, angle, no, that's offensive. But then I can have <laughs> playing against me and that's okay. So, yeah. Well, it's funny you should say that because I played somebody yesterday called Thatcher is dead. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, there's a, there's a football game. But you can't have re- them yet, Neil, socially. <laughs> I'd love to. I would absolutely love to. to and listen, honest. there are some of them. There are some of them that are brilliant. Like there's a footballer called Ruben Diaz. So someone's name is up the Diaz, which if you say it very quickly is up the ass. And yet that's allowed. Like, thanks for the explanation. <laughs> but for the American, for the American listeners, it might be a, it might be a pronunciation. But yeah, so I've had to I've had to take the hit and change my name to something perfectly normal because I'm not allowed the word angle. And yet I've played against some unspeakable names. And yet the algorithm's gone, go ahead, perfectly fine with that one. I love that, though. There's, there's always that guy that calls himself Chicken Tikka More Salad and he thinks he's the first person to ever do it. Oh. He's, he's, <laughs> he's the guy who's making the superb owl joke on Super Bowl week yeah, every year. Yeah, every year. Yeah. See you next year. Uh, all that confession. <laughs> <laughs> as well, which is a great, great game. Yeah, you, 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 you get all all the common names, but yeah, see? so yeah, the EA Sports algorithm is wrong and yet also a little bit right. I sometimes worry that we're not niche enough. And... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you've any of you watched any. I know you've all got Game Pass, but have you watched any of the any of the games on Sky yet? Um, it's, no, it's when they cut for like a commercial, you know, like. Uh, like a change of possession commercial or something like that, and you're watching the you're watching the the TV and you're listening to the commentators and the game noise and to a nice comfortable level and it goes to the cuts to the advert and all of a sudden it goes, let's go and it's just like <laughs> Christ Almighty, just just when you're nodding off. Is <laughs> anyone knowing the, the advert I'm talking about? Because I swear yeah. to God. It I think it's Subway. Pray, pray, pray for headphone one. listeners. Pray for headphone listeners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. The, new, the yeah. new one, the new one that's really strange for me is um, I think Sky Sports have got Cinch sponsoring the NFL yeah. this year, Cinch, and they've got. If you're not being sponsored by Cinch, you're not anything. Yeah, well, <laughs> they've got Ryland Clark Neil doing. Basically, like NFL sayings, like or puns. puns. Oh, the, guy, no, the guy's like the, camp, the campus thing anyone's ever seen. Has never ever watched an American football game in his life, and he's been given a script and said, "Yeah, can you just say this, please?" Wouldn't have a clue what he's saying, but it's just, oh, it's just weird. Funny. I like Ryland. Yeah. I'm not having Ryland slander. No it's not, it's I'm, not I'm slander. A... It's just, it's just. It's... Oh, I will. The main thing is just knocking out. <laughs> As a, a five. I'm a certified Big Brother Ultra. <laughs> I mean, we finally uh, we figured out that Rylan is what's going to make us fall out. I mean, I'm I, I as shocked as you are. <laughs> but here we are. This, um, this, this is one thing I did not think that would be discussed is uh, Rylan Clark Neil Slander on the Transatlantic Type <laughs> podcast this There's week. your title. <laughs> <laughs> I, oh, this, that reminds me just, what late night was it? No, it wasn't. It was actually Saturday night. I was watching the Ryder Cup and it, I was nodding off. I'm not going to lie. It was about half past 11 Saturday evening. Let's and, go! Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't that. It was, <laughs> it was my doorbell, which is not what you expect to hear at that time on the Saturday. And I saw, and it, I was not, I'd nodded off and it sort of woke me. And I, no, I must have imagined that. And it rang again. And um, the, 
85-ish year old guy. No, he's probably, he must be not, he must be near a 90. Um, he lives across the street, um, rang, rang the doorbell and he's um, Italian guy, Sicilian and sometimes a bit hard to understand. And, uh, but basically he's, oh, can you come and, can you come and help me? I'm, his, cut long story short, his wife had had a fall and been in hospital for a few months. She's just got home recently and he couldn't, like she'd fallen in uh, the lounge and he couldn't get her into bed. It's just, can you come and give me a give me a lift with my with my wife? Um, so I did. What else do you do? <laughs> it's just like, the most surreal. I still don't. I still can't work out if I actually dreamt the whole thing, or uh, if if that really happened. He's the guy's lucky he's not my neighbour because if only one rings the doorbell at half eleven, I'm on the app telling them to fuck off straight away. <laughs> I just want to say, here's the ring doorbell advertisement. <laughs> I, I, what can you what can you say what can you say um the, the following day he knocked on the door and gave me a bottle of very nice italian monster porciano oh, yeah. nice. nice. i can't believe it's took you until now to, te- to mention it to be honest i thought that'd be straight out of your mouth <laughs> uh, so there we go that was just a bit random still can't not sure whether it happened but anyway. <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely um, right, great to chat as ever, chaps. Um, we've gone on a bit as ever, uh, but yeah, if you've got this far, um, <laughs> you're definitely Titans fans. That's all I'm going to say. Or your fans are complete nonsense. Probably a bit of both. Great to chat. See you next week when we will be three and one, and I don't think there's any doubt about that. Tighten up. Miles, Janoris or Jack Rabbit? Week three, win Jack Rabbit. See you next week.